Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest assures us to have faith for the impossible assignment. All right. I love this slide from Corey Ten Boom. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. So this morning, we're going to talk about receiving the impossible. Faith for the impossible assignment. Faith to receive the commission that the Lord gives to you from time to time to do the impossible, to do what you cannot do in your own strength, to do what will only succeed if he gets directly involved. Amen? You know, routinely, God gives us assignments all the time, and most of the time, it just involves simple obedience. For example, the Lord told me to change the order of service and give the people a chance to greet one another. That came from him. And so I made the adjustment, and I think the churches love that. I love it because especially when we have visitors, uh, it gives everybody an opportunity to love on the visitors and make them feel welcome. Amen. But that was one change that the Lord spoke to me about that was just a matter of simple obedience. I did it, and it worked out great. Amen. But there are other things other seasons in our lives where God will give us assignments that are completely impossible to accomplish without his direct intervention, without his help. Amen. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 4, 6. Amen. When God calls us to one of these impossible assignments, our response to that is critical. If you think about it, this is a companion message that goes very nicely with what we talked about last week. Last week, we asked you the question, when tough times hit, when challenges arise, when all hope seems lost, what will your answer be? How will you respond? That message was more or less oriented towards the the attacks of the enemy, but the focus was on how you should respond in these critical situations. What will your answer be, we asked rhetorically. This week, we're asking you how you'll respond when God gives you the impossible assignment. It's a little bit different twist, but it's just as critical how you respond when God commissions you to do something you know is impossible in your own strength. Let's look at a couple of scriptural examples. This first part I call Zacharias' response. And all of this main text comes from Luke chapter 1, a story that we're all familiar with. Amen? Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. 
And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Woo, isn't that cool? And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Now, the King James is not quite as obvious as some of the other translations as to the nature of his response. But let me just clue you in. The response of Zacharias was not a response of faith. Listen to the way Luke 1.18 is rendered in the message translation. This really strikes right at the heart of the matter. Zechariah said to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. In other words, are you bagging me? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman and I prayed that prayer a long time ago and never got answered. That was Zechariah's response. How many know that's not the right response when the Lord gives you a critical, impossible assignment? especially one this important to the plan of God for the world. Amen? Hallelujah. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my word, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Amen. Whoo, man. He got a tongue lashing from Gabriel, the messenger angel sent straight from the throne of God. He said, that's not the right answer. And because you gave us the wrong answer, you're already dumb, but you're going to be dumb in the sense that you're not going to be able to speak. Did you get that? That was humor. It was already dumb for him to answer that way, okay? And he got rewarded by the angel saying, listen, this thing is so critical that you're going to be dumb, unable to speak until it comes to pass. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to see here. There's three things that I see here. One of them's a little bit of a side journey, but I think it's worthwhile. Number one, Zacharias was doing his normal rotation as a priest assigned to burn incense on the altar of incense in the holy place when suddenly his normal routine was interrupted by a supernatural event. So many times we've been conditioned to think that we have to have an extended period of fasting and prayer and falling on our face before God before we can receive a supernatural input from God. I'm telling you, nothing could be further from the truth. Listen, I've had those times where I had a time of fasting and prayer and I had a supernatural visitation, 
but just as often, I've been just going along my merry way, doing my life, living my life, and God suddenly speaks supernaturally into my life at a critical time in my life. And I was just doing my normal thing, okay? So there's nothing unholy about living your normal life as long as you live it unto Him, amen? And then He will surprise you from time to time by interrupting your daily mundane routine with a supernatural injection from on high, amen? It happened to me one time in Louisiana. I was driving down the road on the way back from the Air Force Base where I flew with the Air Force Reserve, and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Again, that was my normal routine. Nothing unusual about me driving and praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me in a voice that was audible to me. I call it the inward audible voice. Now, I've had the Lord speak to me in an audible voice where I heard his voice out here. But everybody here can relate to those times where you heard it on the inside so loud you knew it was God. He said, believe me for the impossible and I will do it. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And then he said it again. Believe me for the impossible and I will do it. He was challenging me, interrupting my daily routine to give me a supernatural encouraging word from the Lord. In other words, believe me for something impossible. Give me something I can sink my teeth into. Give me something you're not going to be able to accomplish unless I get directly involved. Amen. Glory to God. All right, so number two. There are many promises and prophetic words in the Bible which are conditional. God says, you do this and I'll do this. You don't do this and I won't do this. Amen. But there are certain seasons and certain times that are appointed by God. Certain events that must happen at a particular time on the timeline that God has ordained. Amen. These events are so critical to the success of God's plan. Bless God. They are going to happen no matter what anybody does. And if you get in the way of the fulfillment of one of these appointed times, you're going to be dealt with. Zacharias was dealt with. You're not saying another word until this comes to pass. This is too important. This is too critical. This is the messenger that will pave the way for the Son of the Most High God to come into the world. It's too important for you to mess it up with your words of doubt and unbelief. So you're going to be dumb for a while. I won't go there again. I'll spare you. But the most important thing I want you to notice is this, and we said it already, the response given by Zacharias was not a response of faith. In fact, he made it clear that he didn't believe the word of the Lord given by the angel of the Lord sent by God Almighty himself. Amen? In essence, he said, I don't believe this is possible. I prayed that prayer a long time ago, but now my wife and I are just too old to have a baby. Contrast that with Mary's response. Same chapter. If you go on down to verse 26, her response to her impossible assignment was completely different. Amen. Verse 26, and in the sixth month, that was the sixth month of the pregnancy of John the Baptist, 
So you know right away, if you haven't had a chance to read those intervening verses, that it did come to pass, and John the Baptist was born, and they called him John, because that's what the angel said you're supposed to call him. And Zacharias was not able to speak until he wrote on a chalkboard, his name is John. On the eighth day, when they circumcised the baby and they named the baby, everybody said, well, you need to call him Zacharias of some other name in your family tree. And he said, no, his name shall be John. And then he was able to speak. In other words, he didn't speak until everything was performed that was prophesied. The birth of the baby and the naming of the baby. Amen. He didn't mess any of it up. They didn't let him. Hallelujah. All right. So now we're talking about six months into that pregnancy that was supernatural. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Just imagine 14, 15-year-old girl, and the angel of the Lord comes and says that to you. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. In other words, I think she said, What in the world does he mean by that? Verse 30, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Glory, hallelujah. Every time I read that, I just get tingly. Amen. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, listen to Mary's response to the impossible assignment. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I did a little word study, and what this word handmaid means it means servant girl. Behold means look at me. So she is saying, look at me, Lord, the servant girl of the Most High. Be it unto me according to your word. I'm ready to do whatever God's called me to do. All right. Mary's response was a response of faith. Lord, this is big, and I can't do this alone. How are we going to do this? What's the plan? After all, there is no precedent for a virgin giving birth. This is the first time in the history of mankind that it had ever even been discussed. But she didn't question God's ability to help her accomplish this impossible assignment. She just wanted to know the plan. She just needed some clarification. Because the only way she knew to have a baby is to be intimate with a husband. 
When God gives you an impossible assignment, your response to that assignment is critical. As I said, it's it's a given that you cannot and will not accomplish the assignment without the help of the Lord. So accept the assignment by faith, ask God for the plan, and trust that He will empower you to carry it out. You know, backing up just a little bit, I love the way that the angel encouraged Mary. He mentioned the fact that Zacharias and Elizabeth were six months pregnant, and they both were called barren. So he was giving her some precedent for impossible things to happen in the earth in the realm of childbirth. He gave her something to leap from to believe God that she could have a baby without having relations with a man. You see that? The angel said, listen, with God, nothing shall be impossible because your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant and they said she was barren. They said she would never have children and now she is six months pregnant. How much more faith can you exercise to take it to the next level and believe that God can father a child inside of you? Amen. Thank God for her faith. Woo. So, accept the impossible assignment when God gives it to you, even if the odds are against you. Because those odds don't mean anything to God. Amen? Deuteronomy 32, 30 says, One can overcome a thousand to one odds, and two can overcome five thousand to one odds. Amen? And as we just read in Luke 1, 37, the angel Gabriel told Mary, With God... Nothing shall be impossible. We're going to do this. And here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and that which is conceived in you shall be called the Son of God. That's how it's going to happen. You know what that did? That gave her the clarification she needed so that she didn't go ahead and rush the engagement with Joseph and go ahead and have relations thinking that's the only way it's going to happen. The angel said, no, 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 no. Here's how it's going to happen. I'm glad you asked for clarification. Here's how it's going to happen. So she's like, all right, I got it. Be an enemy according to your word. Glory, hallelujah. So accept the assignment, even if the odds are against you, and then ask God to give you the plan. Clarification if you need some clarification. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. I believe this is an Old Testament type of praying in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Some translations say plans and purposes are in the heart of man, and it's like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw out those plans. In other words, I believe when you became born again that God had preordained plans already prepared throughout eternity that he dropped into your little embryo the moment you came to life. And those plans lay dormant in your little spirit until you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, and then those plans come to life in your spirit, and you realize what you were created to do. Amen? And the way that you can draw those plans and purposes up out of your spirit is by praying in the Holy Ghost. I used to tell our youth when I was a youth pastor, and then I used to tell our Bible school students when I was a Bible school director, listen, pray out your destiny by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's a little King Jamesian, but what it's saying is your spirit is the primary way that God is going to communicate with you. Why? Because the Bible says God is a spirit. Remember over there in John chapter 4, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, God is a spirit, and if he's going to truly communicate with you, it's going to have to be spirit to spirit. Amen? Your spirit is the light of God. It's the way he's going to illuminate you on the inside. It's the way he's going to show you the path that he has for you. It's the way that he will show you to walk out step by step your destiny. Amen? He's going to dispel the darkness, shine the light on the path in front of you so that you can walk out the plan of God for your life. Psalm 18, 28, and 29, make this real clear. For thou wilt light my candle. Remember, that's your spirit. He's going to illuminate your spirit. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Amen. That's cool, but not nearly as cool as when you read it in the Passion Translation. Amen. Listen to this. Psalm 18, 28, and 29 in the Passion Translation. God, all at once you turned on a floodlight for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness, and in your brightness I can see the path ahead. With you as my strength, I can crush an enemy horde, advancing through every stronghold that stands in front of me. Amen. Isn't that cool? In other words, God will give you the plan, and as you step out the plan, you will encounter strongholds and obstacles but he's already strengthened you ahead of time to defeat every obstacle and every stronghold standing in the way of you and your destiny glory to god hallelujah i want to share a personal example some of you have heard this before but i i just believe i'll bless you by letting you hear it again amen uh during the summer of 1987 trisha and i were stationed with the marines in nas corpus christi our three funnest years in the Marines was our time with the Navy. Amen. It was a dream assignment. I got to fly three different aircraft, and uh, I was teaching and preaching in the church there. And, I mean, I was, just, uh, I was just happy as I could be. It was just a great assignment. Anyway, I was a flight instructor there for the Naval Training Command, and, and my time in the Marines was coming to an end. And I spent the better part of the summer of 1987 fasting and praying for direction. I knew God was leading me into ministry, but I needed to know the steps to take, the plan that I could use to chart my course, the course that would lead me to my destiny and the fulfillment of my life's calling. So during that summer of fasting, it was a very defining moment in my life. I, I had an encounter with the Lord in which he illuminated my spirit and gave me a three-part plan that I was able to follow that helped me grow and develop in my future ministry. This is after an extended period of praying and fasting. Came home one day for lunch, kissed my wife. She ate lunch. I went back to the bedroom, and I prayed for 30, 40 minutes in tongues. And about 25 minutes into it, the Lord spoke to me. And all I did was just grab a pencil and paper, and I just started writing. These were the three things he told me to do. He said, I want you to leave the Marines and transfer to the Air Force Reserve. Number two, I want you to pursue advanced degrees in engineering. Number three, I want you to preach and teach my word wherever and whenever you're given the opportunity. That culminating moment spent in the presence of the Lord 
yielded a plan that charted the course of my life for the next 22 years. So never negate the value of praying in the Holy Ghost and seeking the Lord. You will have, inevitably, those times of defining moments where the Lord will speak into your life and he'll chart the course ahead for you. Sometimes it'll involve the next year, sometimes the next five years. In my case, my plan took me through 22 years of life and ministry. The Lord gave me three assignments, each of them impossible from my perspective. Amen? And from the perspective of a lot of my peers. Nevertheless, each one of them was fulfilled and came to fruition in truly supernatural fashion. The odds were against me, but I prevailed against the odds. This morning, I want to zero in on part two of the three-part plan where I was instructed of the Lord to pursue advanced degrees in engineering. It took several miracles for these things to happen, but after moving my family from Texas to Louisiana, I was able to transfer my commission from the Marines to the Air Force Reserve, and I began flying with them. Shortly after that, I took the GRE exam. How many familiar with that? How many love the GRE? Not many hands going up. Shortly after that, I took the GRE exam and qualified for graduate school at Louisiana Tech University, where I earned a master's degree in mechanical engineering. But when it came time to take things to the next level and pursue my Ph.D. in engineering, I found out that I had to take the GRE again. Evidently, my previous scores were good enough to get me in the engineering master's program, but they fell well short of the requirement to get me into the Ph.D. program. In fact, in order to qualify for the program, I selected, I felt led to select Ph.D. in micro and nanosystems engineering. I would need to raise my score by 180 points. But the study guide that I used... GRE for dummies. That's a real thing. I still have it at the house. Okay. That study guide, GRE for dummies, uh, basically said in the margin, if you do all of these exercises for the verbal and the math portion of the exam and do them over and over again for the next couple of months, which is what I did, you can expect to improve your score by up to 50 points. I remember reading that, and it was just like the wind just came out of my sails. I was like, what? And then went on to say, because I'm a, I'm a statistics guy, statistics and historical data have shown that's about the best you can do when you take the GRE again if you use our techniques. I immediately turned to the Lord. said, you were the one that told me to pursue advanced degrees. What are you going to do about this? <laughs> he said, you know what? I will be with you. It's going to be all right. That's all he said. Don't worry about a thing. Well, that's easy for you to say. So I began to spend a lot of time praying in tongues. That's all I knew to do. You know, 180 points. That's over three times 50, which is what they said would be my best result. You know, I've really studied hard. And I did study hard. So I spent a lot of time praying in tongues and praying in the spirit. And after a few weeks, I felt impressed to register and schedule the test. 
And I know now that that was a step of faith that was necessary to overcome the fear of not being able to overcome these staggering odds. I scheduled it for two months out, and I started studying in that booklet. Shortly after that, I had a dream in which I encountered three foes, three large men who came to fight me with their fists. As they advanced toward me, one of them tripped and hit his head on the floor and knocked himself out. I looked at the other two, clenched my fist at my side, and shouted in this dream, You come at me with natural size and natural strength, but I come at you with the strength of the Lord my God, and I will defeat you. Then I woke up. Immediately the Lord reminded me that the GRE had three parts, verbal, quantitative, and analytical. And at Louisiana Tech University, where I was applying, they did not count the analytical. So that was the guy that knocked himself out. I didn't have to worry about him. All I had to do was turn my attention to verbal and quantitative. Amen. And I heard the Lord say, I will strengthen you as I strengthen you in that dream, and you will overcome these foes. I can't even put in words how encouraging that was to me. All I know is that I knew that I knew that I knew that somehow, beyond what the statistics in the historical data said, God would launch me up at least 180 points, and I would succeed. I just knew it in my spirit. A couple of months later, I went and I took the test. And it was at the Sylvan Learning Center in Bossier City, Louisiana. And wouldn't you know, I was the first person to take the new test. That's all digital, all computer. Gone were the days where you could leave one of the questions unanswered with a little dot next to it and come back and see if you can figure it out later. You had to give the answer, your best guess, right then and go to the next question. There was no option to go back. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm the first one? Glory, hallelujah. You know? I remember looking up to the Lord and saying, well, Lord, you knew about this, so I'm going to go in there, and I'm just going to trust that you're going to guide me through this, and I will prevail. Anyway, so I went through, I think it was about six hours total, three hours for the verbal, three hours the quantitative, got to the very end of the test, and there was two buttons that the computer said you can hit. If you hit this button, if you don't think you did very well, we'll erase your scores. It'll be like you never took the test. But if you hit this button, your scores are going to the school of your choice immediately. In other words, they're going to see them just as quickly as you do. I was like, oh, Lord. So I did this. I went. I just hovered with my finger, opened my eyes, and I went, boink. You know, I want my scores. And three seconds later, the scores flashed up. And I didn't do 180 points better. I did 200 points better, more than enough to qualify for the Ph.D. program in micro and nanosystems engineering. Amen. To God be all the glory. He gave me an impossible assignment, 
and he equipped me to overcome every obstacle along the way. He even gave me a dream showing me that I would be victorious as long as I stood on and relied on the strength of Almighty God. And I went on and I got my Ph.D. in micro and nanosystems engineering as a result. Amen. It wasn't easy. There were other tests that I had to pass, but nothing rivaled that one. That was beyond what people would expect could happen to anybody, you know, in the natural world based on statistical and historical data. Amen. Data be damned if God gives you a word. Amen. Uh, I may have to strike that from the record, but amen. Glory to God. All right. Let me wrap this up by rereading Psalm 18, 28, and 29 in the Passion Translation and some concluding thoughts. God, all at once you turned on a floodlight for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness, and in your brightness I can see the path ahead. With you as my strength, I can crush an enemy horde, advancing through every stronghold that stands in front of me. In that life-changing encounter with the Lord, he turned on the floodlight the revelation light that I needed at that critical time in my life. He shined the light in my spirit and revealed to me an impossible three-part plan. And even though the odds were against me, I accepted the impossible assignment and trusted that God would supernaturally empower me to carry it out. As I followed each step of the plan, God enabled me and strengthened me supernaturally to overcome every obstacle that I encountered along the way. So my challenge to you is this. Even if the odds are against you, accept the impossible assignments that God gives you in your life in ministry. Ask God for the unique plan that he has for you to carry out that assignment. As you follow that plan, trust him to empower you to overcome every obstacle that you will encounter along the way. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's teaching, Faith for the impossible assignment. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, Visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.